Some people had the Midas touch, others their touch turns everything to dust. Envy was the initial emotion, but then it turned to the much darker jealousy, and murder was the end result, although this case was not for love or lust, but greed. The killer and his accomplice attempted to take over the very modest life of the victim, not realising the victim would be very much missed by all around them. Between the 22nd of March and the 11th of April 2009, five packages containing dismembered body parts were discovered spread over two counties in England and eventually revealed to be one person. The case was dubbed by the press the Jigsaw Man. The hunt for the identity of the victim and then the killer involved over 100 police officers, four police forces and the setting up of a task force. This is the case of Stephen Marshall, a.k.a. the Jigsaw Killer, and this is Murder Me on Monday. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Murder Me on Monday podcast. I'm Cameron, joined with me, it's Mother. Hello. You'd think by episode, what is this, like 30? Yep. That I would have a proper intro to do each time, but I never do, I never know what to say. So I'm going to let you lead, so I don't have to say anything. Go. <laughs> so it's uh, episode 30. Well, you know, here we are. Thanks to Alex for the new logo and thanks to Alex for the case suggestion. This one, it's sort of close to home. Um, know a lot of the places mentioned and the trial took place at my favourite courts in Dorbans. Uh, gonna, I'm going to interrupt already. You mentioned a little while ago yes. that you wanted to join or go to the uh, court case for one of the other cases that we've done. Yes, the first one, Helen Bailey. That's, that's, not, that's not scheduled um, until November, and because we are not members of the press, we don't get advanced warning. So I just have to keep an eye on the court listings. Are we not? Defi- could we not argue that because we do a true crime podcast that we could be <laughs> we could be considered the press? Because we we like, air quote report on it, right? So we could be we could be considered press. It, it, it might... That sounds so pompous, right? Do you know what I mean? I think we could be defined as press at that point. Yeah, well, I don't know how you get press credentials. I'm pretty sure it, we wouldn't classify as such. But I'm half wondering by the time that this comes around whether the case will be so involved it might be literally a 15-minute upload every day of you're allowed to do so much, but you're also not allowed to say other things. It depends on the direction of the court. Yeah, I was considering doing it for like a Patreon thing where you come back from the day we record for... 15 20 minutes or whatever and then just whatever you saw and then just gets chucked up it's secondary to the podcast yeah but yeah, yeah you mentioned you mentioned like a court thing and that was the first thing that came to my head carry on right so again this case it interested me the more i dug into it because it looked to me to be a case of extreme cuckooing as it's known that's very different to cucking for anyone that's wondering yes it is it is cuckooing i asked the same thing but, different. but 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 cook but cucking is a really old fashioned marvelous english word that you actually all cook holding is it uh, you don't hear it these days how you um, you definitely do because it's oh. um <laughs> right. if, if you play a game and some and if you play like a game online and something happens where like you try to do a and then someone stopped you from doing it you say oh i got cucked because it's, it's like a negative stereotype or if someone does something bad you might call them a cuck as an insult right because it's like a it's like a derogatory term so ah. that's and because that's obviously when you like to watch someone else have sex with your missus, right? That's where it comes in, oh. and and you can see why that is like a, a negative, <laughs> a negative thing, right? <laughs> so when you said cuckooing, I thought the fuck, right? Is do you mean cucking? But no, it's some it's something completely different. It's it's named it's named after the cuckoo bird, which is that different to the cuckoo burrow, or is that just a, a different bird with the same name? Well, for a start, we don't have cuckoo burrows in the UK. Yeah, no, no, but that doesn't mean like we've also 
like just because we just because we don't have it in the UK doesn't mean that the, no. the phrase originated from the UK. Yeah, it, it does originate from the UK. I think it's a very specific UK phrase, cuckooing, um, and it's named after the cuckoo bird. Which, if you're not in the UK, you won't know this. These are birds that basically lay an egg in another bird's nest and then bugger off and leave a poor other bird to raise their chick. And you can see pictures online where you've got a cuckoo chick in a nest that's 15 times bigger than they are, these birds are thick as fuck right and and they're the, not they're clever no no the other birds because it'd be like a blue tit and, and oh, a, yeah. a, a, a cuckoo bird will just lay its egg in that and the egg is bigger than the the blue tit parent itself and that blue tit goes that's my baby and it just raises that as well and then because it's a big bastard it gets fed all the food and then like the blue tit babies basically die off and this other blue tit just kind of raises this other baby and that, that they are thick as fuck if they think oh that's my kid it's like if someone brought home like a, a bear and they go, well, that's mine. No. Well, it's happened in Russia, hasn't it? They've brought um, some chap. They think... The, the think it's like a dog or something. Yeah. It'd be like a bear or coyote yeah. or something like that. And yeah. they only realised when it got to about six months old that, no, this wasn't. It's going to keep getting bigger and it will eat you. But yeah. Right. So getting back to what actually cuckooing means in the term of law enforcement, usually in the UK, is actually where someone takes over someone else's home. And it's usually done by criminals with against someone who's, considered vulnerable by society and um, that and it's usually drugs they tend to come in i'm your mate oh look there's another friend let's come around and visit you and before you know it you've got 15 people living in your house or your flat eating you out of house and home and dealing drugs and they get away with it until someone catches them and quite often the problem is is the person whose original flat or house could end up getting evicted if it's social housing because they're considered to be drug dealers but they haven't. The, the, the police are on to them now, so it's not as, as bad. But this is almost what this case actually read to, like when I was researching it. As per usual, um, this case, it all comes from multiple news sources, all of which are in the show notes. And by now you will know that inconsistencies in the reporting can lead to a bit of frustration with me. But it's clear and clean as I can actually make it. But what this case did highlight to me was just how much getting information from one source can really skew your perspective on things. I started out reading one particular um, newspaper and I th I was going down the path thinking the victim was a bit of a loner and a grump when in truth he actually seems to have had a really a, a lot of friends and people who really cared about him and put a lot of effort into making sure the police actually joined stuff up on his behalf when they realised he'd gone missing. So, yeah, it's it can be a bit warped if you don't go there's, through. There's probably a lot of um, editorialising from yeah. the, in the, the independent news sources themselves. They want to run it one way, and, and it might not be true, but it gets more clicks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when this took place in 2009, like social media wasn't as big a thing. It didn't pop as much. So I know clickbaiting would have existed. I mean, as well, you get the big difference between right and left wing, different medias, whether they think. They, they report one thing saying, oh, this is bad. And then another one say, oh, this is a good thing. So imagine you're going to get the same thing from people reporting on murders and stuff like I've, that. I've not, I'd not noticed it before apart until I came to this case, not as extreme. I'd noticed, obviously, the differentials in, in reporting. You know, somebody had missed another bit out. Somebody else had embellished. in poor timelines. Yeah, yeah, all of that. But not the actual difference of the perspective of the characters within this one. The, the perspective of the killer... It seems to be universal, but it was the victim, how they were portrayed, which surprised me. But anyway, so warning, this one is a little bit gruesome. As you know, by now, we don't tend to do major gruesome, but there's no animal or child abuse, thankfully. So you should be OK. Now, it's unfortunate that the victim got the nickname the Jigsaw Man. 
I, I guess it's easier for the for the press to come up with that rather than unknown body parts. It's just easier to, you know, control V kind of thing. Especially as parts kept turning up and until the forensics identified all the parts as being from the same person, people will be wondering how many bodies could there be and what on earth was going on. So let's start out with the victim, Jeffrey Howe. He was said to be 49 at, at the time this took place in 2009, but I couldn't find any date of birth. So he was probably born 1960-ish, thereabouts. There's little in the way of his life. Um, it said he was from North London, and I know he was living there at the time that this took place, but I've got no idea where he was born. Apparently, um, he wasn't married at the time, but had been previously twice. So he had no children, but his mother and his brother were still alive and still involved slightly in his life. Well, his mother certainly was. He was, at the time that this happened, apparently working as a kitchen salesman. And this wasn't long after the financial crash of 2009, which was global. So I wondered how successful he was, because usually there's not an awful lot of money about for kitchen upgrades. But if this was high-end and bespoke kitchens, that's a whole different ballgame. And apparently he was very good at it and seemingly actually did quite well. So I was probably right. But and he'd also seemingly worked as a chef out in Italy at one point in his life. So he, he'd lived all over the UK. It's a bit of a difference. Isn't it? And imagine yeah. as native to the UK, so then go over to Italy and be a chef. I imagine you have to be a pretty decent chef to do that. But I'm thinking of a fancy posh restaurant might not be that. And then to be a kitchen salesman. It's yeah. kind of strange. It's a bit yeah. Of a, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Police actually issued a statement during the trial from Jeffrey's brother, and he wasn't named. And uh, actually quoting it, he says, Jeffrey was an extremely caring son. He was a jovial, charming character who had a heart of gold and would get on with anyone. He could be a little selfish sometimes, but did what he thought was best. And although we haven't had a great deal of contact and we haven't seen each other for a few months, as you can imagine, our family has been left extremely traumatised by what has happened. But according to other reports, he was none too popular with at least one of the neighbours who had apparently tangled with Jeffrey over his attitudes towards children playing outside his flat and called him aggressive and unfriendly. I'm kind of on his side with that one. And who likes everyone's neighbours? I know. People have heard me complain about my neighbours. They're quite no no They're quite nice. They're just noisy bastards. Yeah. That's the only thing. But yeah, like just that, what, one report from someone saying it was repeated kind of in a number of it was repeated in a number of places, and that's why I, I initially got the impression he was a miserable bugger. But when you think it's you know, anyway. So I was against again. I said I was on his side on that one when I heard that one. Um. As I said, Jeffrey lived at the time in North London, a place called Picard Close in Southgate, to be exact. November 2008, he had allowed a drinking pal and work colleague to come and stay with him. The drinking buddy brought along another friend without invitation and moved them in. What? Yeah. M moved? Wait. Okay. I feel like I've... I know it's to do with the whole uh, bird laying a nest thing, right? What? So he went right, He came around for a drink and he brought his mate that he never told him he was going to and then he moved him in. Yes. Okay, I feel like there should be some, some steps here that have been missed, but that's just... Uh, if, if, I invite, if, if I invited a friend around and they brought someone around with them, I just wouldn't let either of them in. It was a little bit... Well, he allowed, he allowed the drinking buddy to come and, and live with him. And he doesn't sound, from what's been described so far anyway, that Jeffrey doesn't seem too vulnerable in the way that he's been described. He's been described as quite nice, kind of grumpy to kids, sure, whatever. But he's not being described as someone that's either like, you know, has a 
a condition that might make them more susceptible to manipulation like this. No, so, but I think when as we go through this and you understand the character of his drinking buddy, you may well under, then understand why this situation actually came about. So according to Jeffrey's friends who testified at the trial, um, he had a lot of friends, Jeffrey, and he, he was none too happy with this couple that were living in his flat. They were not paying rent and apparently were eating him out of house and home. He got to the stage where he wouldn't even buy food for himself and leave it in the flat. as They'd just take it without asking. Friends, a friend said that he offered to go round and ask his lodger and his mate to leave. But Jeffrey said it might make things worse and basically leave it alone. A former partner of Jeffrey's and to whom he remained close said she, he'd gone round to see her um, at some point in January, beginning of January 2009. And she said he didn't seem like himself. He was usually joking and laughing, but he seemed really nervy, talking very fast and seemed to have the world on his shoulders. Now, there's various mention that this couple that had moved in had told different friends and family of Jeffrey's that Jeffrey had packed up and left and they were renting and he hadn't collected the rent and they were not too bothered and basically just leave them alone, go away. He's not here, leave us alone. The reporting timeline is a little odd at this point as to when either his brother visited the flat and found the cuckoos there and if it, if it was the mother or friends who had reported missing, but a re, reported Jeffrey missing, but a report was made to the police. Possibly there's actually been more than one report because on the 16th of March 2009, the police actually forced entry to this flat. Um, the reports actually say they actually kicked the door in. Is that what's the reports based off of? Is it because of the um, drug dealing or no? The fact that he'd gone missing. It, that okay. they 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 realised um, apparently his friends talking because his friends all seemed to or a lot of them seemed to know each other. That they realised he'd been missing for somewhere between seven and eight days at this point. And at some point, again, I couldn't tie this diet down in in dates exactly. They'd gone round, various people had gone round to the flat and the cuckoos had said, he's not here, he's, you know. It sounds like a really shitty 80s like band from Manchester, didn't it, the cuckoos? Or is that a band? Is that a band? I genuinely I know, don't th know. There's a movie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, that was it. I think, I think that's what I'm confusing it with for some reason. Yeah, fair enough. Um, like I said, the, the police actually kicked the door in. but the, Because obviously, I think there must have been some family members involved in that because the police wouldn't normally kick a door in just because somebody hadn't, you know. Apparently there was no disarray, there were no obvious signs of a struggle or there was no blood visible. Um, and the police actually found Jeffrey's passport and a lot of, lot of other paperwork at the flat from the cuckoos, which actually becomes important later on. It's just a band. I just keep thinking of this as a band. <laughs> it's like the Who and it's the cuckoos. I'm just thinking of them. I'm going to Google this, carry on. All right. So no lights were on at the flat. Um, when the police turned up, but apparently a dinner was found keeping warm in an oven. So they knew someone was there or had been there, just they weren't there when they kicked the door in. They eventually managed to get hold of this couple who tell them, that as far as they know, Jeffrey was alive and, well, basically just push off and leave us alone. So the police didn't have an awful lot to go on. They, they're kind of, you know, stuck between a rock and a hard place with this one. So the timeline again, 16th of March, the police kicked the door in. Speaking to the neighbours, who I've said, one of them didn't much like him. And another, who was just as observant of his neighbours as I am, as they told they hadn't seen him since January. What do you mean by that? 
just as observant of neighbours as you are. I don't. I, I, you could. You don't. You look outside and you go, they've got a fridge delivered. You notice that or, or that. <laughs> you're like, why have they parked there? You're very, you pay a lot of attention I'm to neighbours. Just because they annoy you rather, not... rather than you're actually caring. I'm That's not very that bad. Different. Um, yeah. So they said they hadn't seen him since January. So we're in March at this point. Yeah. And they hadn't seen these two Jaguar cars. Now, all other reports say one say he had one car, which was a Saab. He didn't have two Jags. And the neighbours actually thought he'd rented his flat out because they'd seen the other couple, come in, the cuckoos, come in and going. So obviously the neighbours were wrong, as the friends had seen him up until fairly recently, as I said. And then the, this is why he, he called his mother almost daily. And this is where they, they all joined up and they realised he'd been missing for probably a week or so at this point. And this is where it takes a really dark turn. 22nd of March, a left leg with the foot attached was found in a lay-by stuffed in the hedge on the A507 in Cotterard, Hertfordshire. The farmer who found it later said, it was all wrapped up in plastic. I didn't open the plastic, but then I realised it was either a joint of meat or something a lot worse. Right, if they had... Because they, they'd obviously like bisected him or like whatever, haven't they? They've, they've cut it. They've cut it. What the fuck? That's not English. They cut him up and then and then launched him out of the car, driving past it. Clearly, if they had if they hadn't wrapped it in plastic so much, do you think it would have been eaten by local wildlife, possibly? Or do you think if they'd cut it up more? I know it's difficult to cut up bodies. That's one of the things you always go for joints. Blah blah blah. Right? Do you think if they cut it up more so it'd be sort of indistinguishable from it being like a person almost? But then he, do you know what I mean? So if they'd cut up like the, a leg into say eight segments. Chuck them along different points. You're just going to think that is a cut of meat. That's a this. It's not going to be unless he had a tattoo that would say like "I love Mary" across his leg. Apart from that, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I had written some of this later on, but I, I don't know that they do. I so I'm just going to say what comes to mind. Yeah, fair enough. I, d- I don't disagree with you at all. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later on. So, so the, this this farmer thought it. I mean, yeah. How many times do you find a joint of meat wrapped in plastic, lobbed in a, a hedge? But anyway, a murder investigation was launched, obviously, after the, the police were called on this one. So that was on the 22nd of March. On the 29th of March, a left forearm dismembered at the elbow. That's wrong. That would be disarticulated, wouldn't it? At the elbow and wrist was found on a grass verge along Drover's Lane in Wheat Hampstead. And that's about a 40 minute drive from Cotterard. 31st of March, a head was found by a farmer in a cattle pen in a field in a place called Ashfordby in Leicestershire. That's about 95 miles from Wheat Hampstead. And this is the gruesome bit. The flesh had been removed from the skull and the eyes, ears and tongue had been cut off. And also, although it was just the head, there were some of the neck um, bones still there and the fibres within the neck stump had also been removed. So someone's had a bit of fun and games with that one. 7th of April, a right leg was found in a holdall near the A10 between Buntingford and Puckridge in Hertfordshire. 11th of April, a torso, right arm and upper left arm were discovered in a ditch by a walker near Standon in Hertfordshire inside a green suitcase. Now, that suitcase was the same brand as the holdall that the right leg had been found in. It's, yeah, it's... For some context, we might have said it before, we do live quite close to these. That's why this case got brought up, because it's... Yeah, it's, it, 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 for some context, they're roughly same 
geographic area that these body parts were found in, apart from the one in Leicestershire. And they're easily drivable. There's a lot of major roads that will connect these areas. But you've also got to have some local knowledge to know where some of the, you know, the, the, the lay-bys the, the, roads will be. Yeah. That's part of the reason why, I, well, not part of the reason why, but I'm surprised we hadn't done this case earlier because it's, it's relatively local to us. It's pretty weird. And he's got a fancy name. He's not called the Gay Slayer. He's called the Jigsaw Killer. Which is a good name. It's pretty catchy. That they rolls off the tongue. It's a good podcast title, right? That works quite well. So I'm, I'm surprised you haven't done this one before. Yeah. So the police put out an appeal for information in April 2009. And they revealed that the victim was um, overweight, suffered from eczema, had bleached skin pigmentation on his legs, a fungal infection on his toenails. Apparently it was that bad it caused them to curl. Why are they just shitting on this man? He's dead and been cut up into pieces. You said he's fat, he's ugly, he's got weird skin and he's got like weird trotters. Why have they said this about the man? And he was also missing his two front teeth. We've got, he's got his head chopped off. Of course, you don't have any teeth left. He also didn't have any eyes or ears. Yeah. Why, why did not mention that bit? It was probably a plate or, a, or you know, a, yeah, or a bridge work. They released, the police released a picture of the suitcase in which the torso was found. They actually kept quiet about the dismemberment. But guessing a lot of people and reporters put it together, hence why he became known as Jigsaw Man. So the police are jumpy, obviously. You have Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire and Leicestershire police thinking they all have a murderer on their patch. The incident room that was set up to actually deal with the Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire one that was well, created. Like, so many calls or, or is this a separate room that's for investigation rather than dealing with the influx of calls and... It's a, it's a combination outreach. of two. Okay. They, they, they'd done the forensics um, and they, they it literally, as each body part popped up, they were then doing the, the DNA matches and realising the body parts were, were matching up. And it was the shock to find one up in Leicestershire that they realised they matched them all up. So they created this task force between Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire Police. There was a DCI from Hertfordshire that was actually leading it. And they usually set up an incident room and then they also set up a, an incident phone bank. And this incident room gets a call from a member of the public. Obviously, they put this information out, as you said, dissing him, basically. But it was fairly specific. They gave if you him a knew lot him, of shit. They, 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 they give killers less, yeah. less than that. But if you knew him, you might not know about his toenails and his eczema. Yeah, and, but you, and you're not going to see a picture of his foot and go, oh, that's, that's dodgy Steve. Yeah, we know who that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the police, for whatever reason, they had apparently checked missing persons reports. But they hadn't tied the two up. So it wonders, It makes me wonder how um, precise the missing person report was given, given his physical description. Um, family members might not say said he's that the, overweight. The, the family members hadn't seen him for a couple of months. I know, I know you're talking about from when they were like reported from yeah. like, like January time and then when this happened in like March or whatever. And then the, the bodies weren't found until like April. Right? That's the time span. Yeah, I mean, he's, he did ring his mother. You are right. Oh, yeah, but that's ringing them. That's not actually yeah. seeing them. And, and I mean, people can change shape a lot in six months. And most people don't, but people can. You could either, like Everybody you, knows that through lockdown. Yeah, you can gain a lot. Of, I lost weight through lockdown. But uh, you can like lose weight and gain weight, so the physical description might not matter that much over that span of time. That's the point, actually. I wonder if in a certain span of time you're going to have uh, murders or weird things that have happened because of lockdown, and yeah. it's going to be because of that. That'd be quite interesting. They'd be like, that's like a... That's a whole weird little tangent. That's like being positive from lockdown. If you if you do stuff around through crime, that's a good thing that's happened, isn't it? Well, it's, it's to, to be honest, it's very much like there was a 
during the Second World War, there were a lot of murders that went completely unsolved because bodies were put in... So the, it was that rubble of where Bonds had hit, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And to this day, they often either don't know who the victim is or they just never managed to trace the killer because they upped and vanished. See, I don't know if it's because of the day and age that we live in now, but, you know, during the Blitz, did any other country have the same sort of thing that we did where we'd black out the, the, the whole country, basically? Yes. And we'd have blimps everywhere. Yes. Catch bombs. Yes. If someone really fucked you off, would you put, like, a, a fob light or something in their garden? Stranger things actually did happen. that's the kind of thing that I'd do. I'd have a strobe light. But like, oi, li- oi, Adolf, he lives here. Yeah. I, mean, I would be shocked if that didn't happen in World War II. That's yeah. something... Because if I can think of it, someone did back then. I'm, I'm, if I'm, I'm an idiot, <laughs> they can do it. No, stranger things have happened. I mean, you used to have, apparently, according to what my parents told me at the time... You did have people going round um, that that they were. I know during the. I know. I think you're going. Sorry, to, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. During the the blitz and people go into their shelters, people go around the houses and steal stuff. No, I wasn't. Different? I wasn't. Oh, well, no. that's another thing. Yeah, they did do that, but they'd also have people going round to check that there was no chink of light at all. You can't say that word. I'm kidding. Yes, I can. <laughs> Coming from anyway, you, you you'd even get shouted at and yeah, because ticketed for like a um, cigarette. People had made. Uh, analogies or comparisons to the anti-vax stuff with people being like i don't want to get a vaccine because it'll whatever and then people being like during the during world war ii they're like oh i don't want to turn my lights off that's not fair i'm not hurting anyone it's the exact same thing that people are drawing for that so this is this is a slight segue from it and apologize and if anyone's listening to this they're probably around my age as well looking at demographics the most traumatic thing i had as a child right and it bothered me for a couple of years was a doctor who episode oh it yeah. was it was the I don't remember the name of it, but it was during World War Two where a bomb had landed and it made a, it made a boy like fuse with a gas mask, and it was the are you are you my mummy thing, and if he touched you, you'd convert into one of these like weird zombie gas mask babies. It was a that Christoph- shit freaked me out so hard. That was a Christopher Eccleston yeah, episode. And, and yeah, and that that bastard. I remember I remember that because we we I I remember that episode so much, <laughs> and even now it still kind of traumatizes me. If I saw a kid in a gas mask, I'd kick it in the chin. That stuff weirds me out. And that's connected to that, and it just reminded me of it. Carry on, sorry. Right, so back to this. We're not in the war at this point. So, again, as I said, somebody rang the incident room, and they said that it, it, they thought this was Jeffrey Howe. And the police went back to the missing person reports and tied them all together, did the DNA check, and realised it was him. And you want to... For anyone wondering, it's called The Empty Child. <laughs> was the episode for the <laughs> doctor here. So the police used dental records to actually you know, confirm Jeffrey Howe's um, body was the remains and it's actually announced to the public that Jeffrey Howe was the victim on the 23rd of April 2009. So you have murder investigation which is run very separately to a missing ver- persons investigation but that's where you have the, the three and you you even had the Met Police involved so that's where you get the four police forces involved because the Met Police was the missing persons because it was from London. So the police go, they know it's Jeffrey Howe so the task force um, actually go to the flat in Southall and they arrested the cuckoos, the couple that were living in the flat on the 21st of April. So it was actually two days before they announced it was Jeffrey's remains. But they, were, they knew it was Jeffrey, but they needed to get these two off the streets fairly quick. They were taken to, a, as, as I said, the, as the task force was being primarily run by Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire, they were actually taken to a Hertfordshire police station for questioning because it was actually closer 
to the London to Southall. For forensics at this point are obviously all over this flat and they find all the stuff the naked eye can't see. Blood was found in the bathroom and the bedroom of the flat and fibres were found in the flat which also matched the material that was used to wrap the body parts. I'm guessing as well there was something to do with the plastic that would have been tied together. So police discover that the male lodger, this cuckoo, had lived close, very, very close, to where the torso was found in Standen. And as I said before, this is not a place you would randomly know. It's small, so the link's actually pretty good. And actually, this, this got me thinking, they used to have a sort of a folk-type festival there, didn't they? Standen calling out in a field in the middle of nowhere. When was this? This took place in 2009. This How old is, was I? I was 13. I wasn't out in a field in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. No, I'm, well, I'm talking. I'm talking. I like how, sorry. I like how you're reading the script for this. And then midway through, you kind of go, hang on a minute. And you've kind of got confused yourself <laughs> with your own script. No, you would have been a teenager, actually, when Stan no. and Colin was on. But anyway. Uh, I, would have, I was 13. No, no, this was Stan and Colin was up on until actually just before lockdown, I think. But anyway. So the police all discover, also discover. ANPR, which is Cameron. Why are you asking? What? Why are you asking me? It's for it's a number plate recognition. Recognition. Yeah. It's just like when you go in a car park, it scans. It scans the license plate, so it knows that you don't just yeah whatever. Yeah, and CCTV records that they actually have Jeffrey Howe's car in or close by all these spots where the body parts have been discovered. And it's enough to know that along with the forensics, so they have a really really good circumstantial case. But obviously, they need a bit more. So, remember me mentioning the papers that the police officers first found when they checked out the missing persons report and Jeffrey's passport was on the table? Well, the police actually found evidence uh, amongst the papers there that the couple that were in the flat were, or had also forged Jeffrey's signature in order to claim housing benefit. Right. Yeah, okay. they, they claimed that he was leasing the property to the couple. And at one point, the male accompanied the female to the benefits agency, posing as her uncle to further add validity to the fraud claim that was being done. So obviously, there's lots of questioning going on and all the rest of it. The trial then began on the 12th of January 2010. Do you not have any information or reports? And this is kind of where I think the dramatization of stuff like this on television, like CSI and stuff, makes it kind of worse because in my head, I'm like, Okay, what was it like when they got picked up? Were they denying? Were they doing this? Were they doing that? Like, what was the process for happening? Obviously, you don't kind of have that. Or who's going to report on it? They're not going to report on it. And the police doing it at the time aren't going to report on it. it was... That's the kind of stuff that I want to know. I want, I want them to be like, oh, you'll never catch me alive, Gaffney. I'm trying to jump out the window and hear about reports about stuff like that. But you're not going to get it. There was three lines. There was three lines that I, I read. And it just said that the male suspect was nervy and jumpy, but refused to talk. And the women, the woman was just, it wasn't me, it was him. That's, you didn't get much. It comes out at trial. A lot of it comes out at trial. So as I said, it began on the 12th of January, 2010, St. Albans Crown Court. Both of them at the time pled not guilty to murdering Geoffrey Howe on the 8th or 9th of March, 2009. So who were the cuckoos, the lodgers? The male was Stephen Marshall, a twice divorced father of four then aged 37, and Sarah Bush, then aged 20. Stephen Marshall... So 20? Yeah. Have you said that already? No. Prior to that. I'm no. th I was, sorry, I was really surprised that she was 20. Yeah. So Stephen Marshall was from Boreham Wood, 
Um, and he'd also lived in a place called Park Street, which is in St Albans, Hertfordshire, again, so it's all in the same interlinked area. And he had met Geoffrey when they were both working as kitchen salesmen and had become, on the surface, drinking buddies and pals. So that's why Geoffrey offered him a place to stay when Stephen Marshall became homeless. Now, Marshall had previously worked as a personal trainer. Some reports have him owning a gym in St Albans. Um, can't confirm that, but he certainly was at least a manager at one of them. He also had previous convictions for criminal damage, assault, battery and possessing cocaine and a firearm. Marshall and Bush met when Marshall hired her for her services as an escort. She had two children that did not live with her, obviously due to her chaotic lifestyle, but she was still in contact with them. Rather sadly, and it was actually used in her defence, she'd actually given birth at 15 and the baby had died at 10 days old and she just sort of ended up in a downward spiral ever since and that's how she ended up where she ended up. It was said at trial that she was scared of Marshall and would sneak out behind his back to see her children and he would force her to change the spelling and all the pronunciation of her name. Her name was Sarah, S-A-R-A. But he changed it to, or you could pronounce it as Sarah, I guess. He changed it to Sarah with an H at the end. I mean, he fixed the name because that is how you spell Sarah. I, I, I don't know. Sarah has an H on the end. It's not Sarah. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, it was really odd and I can't. It's clearly a control thing or he was just really picky with spelling. I don't yeah. know. Um, what was the motive for the word uh, murder? The word. Murder, yeah. Um. My view came that it was probably je je uh, jealousy over Jeffrey's perceived lifestyle. According to Bush, Marshall had actually told Jeffrey to leave his own flat so that Marshall and Sarah Bush could actually take over um, and live there. Jeffrey laughed and didn't take him seriously. And I do wonder that after what Jeffrey's friends say about how unhappy he was and not letting his friends make his unwanted guests moving on if he was starting to feel nervous about them. Anyway, the prosecution believed that when Jeffrey um, was asleep, he'd been stabbed in the back twice, although it was a blow using a serrated four-inch blade which punctured his lung that actually eventually killed him. So the home office, home office pathologist told the court that Jeffrey may have even been alive for an up to an hour before dying and would have suffered a, you know, a large amount of blood loss. The pathologist also told the court that the dismemberment had been done very skillfully and estimated the whole process would have taken about 12 hours. So in the days after the murder, the pair had used Jeffrey's bank account to buy loads of stuff and takeaways. On the 9th of March, Marshall sold Jeffrey's mobile phone at a branch of cash converters. So he must have had some ID. Must, you have to, you know, they won't buy anything from him unless you do. Over the next few days, Bush used Jeffrey's bank card details to buy a new mobile phone. They got a subscription to the Cineworld Cinemas. <laughs> Priorities, right? They, bought, they went out and bought loads of shit and then bought cinema tickets. <laughs> They opened up an account with Littlewoods, the catalogue company as well. Because oh, they planned on paying that off over the next three years, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marshall also apparently created an email account 
pretending to be Howe, Jeffrey, using an address apparently copied from Jeffrey's personalised number plates on his car. And on the 11th of March, Marshall joined eBay. And on the 13th of March, Jeffrey's car was listed up for sale. And they sold it. They did. They, they actually managed to sell it. Obviously, the police managed to get it back um, after the, the arrest. They arrested the two of them. And Jeffrey's blood was actually found in the boat of the car. So, it, you know, it, it was obvious. They'd seen Jeffrey's car around all the places where the body parts are. And the blood in the boat proves that that was how he was transported. Now, during the trial, some really interesting bits about Marshall came out. A witness for the defence said that Marshall knew a lot of bouncers through a gym that he'd run in St Albans and he knew criminals. What? Yeah. And he'd also told the court that Marshall had blinded his own daughter after smashing a car window, causing glass to fly into the child's eye after losing his temper with his then wife when she threatened to leave him. The court heard that Marshall lived a playboy lifestyle and that he had a a very serious drug habit. Now, if this guy's a witness for the defence, I think he took a wrong turn when he went into court. It, yeah, he should be on the stands. Yeah. yeah. So another witness told the court that Marshall had dismembered bodies for a notorious crime family in London. And apparently he'd learned the skill working for his uncle. This is what he told the witness, which was female. He said he would use a meat cleaver, large meat knives, and sometimes even a chainsaw or a hacksaw. He said he would put them into body bags and bury them, sometimes in Epping Forest, sometimes in different places that he didn't specify. He also told the witness um, that he would burn body parts and said the smell was unforgettable, comparing it to the smell of burning pig flesh. She said he would cut up bodies, decapitate them, severing their limbs. The woman also told the court that Marshall had threatened to cut her into little pieces once and should be spread around the country. Even Marshall's own barrister told the court that he dismembered bodies on four previous occasions while working as a nightclub doorman between 1995 and 1998. Sarah Bush didn't fare any better. Witnesses testified to her drunkenly admitting to being involved when Marshall stabbed Jeffrey and she'd put a pillow over his head to stop the noise and also admitted to helping with the disposal of the body parts. Marshall obviously blamed Bush for the murder, although he admitted disposing of Jeffrey, but the evidence was stacked against him. And three weeks into the char- trial, he changed his plea to guilty on all counts. I, I find it difficult to believe that a, a otherwise wayward 20-year-old woman Considering she wasn't even a friend to begin with, she was brought round from him, wasn't she? Yes. It just doesn't fit a typical. And I know, I know it seems to like when women kill people, it's usually with poison or another method, and when men do it, it's usually violent. And that's not always the case. So you can't you can't base everything off that. But I would I would really struggle to believe. Or if it, it just seems like a shit excuse, I, I I wouldn't say oh, it was her that did it, because that sounds worse than just saying I don't know who did it. It's just unlikely to be her in the first place. She said, she, she did actually say that she... She's had drug problems, etc., blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But that doesn't make you a murderer or have a violent past, particularly. She, she, changed, she changed her plea to guilty. But the 1st of February 2010, both were found guilty. And the judge ruled that little credit could be given for the change of plea given to the, due to the overwhelming evidence. But he dismissed Marshall's claim that he was on the verge of a drug-induced suicide when he stabbed Jeffrey. Marshall is ineligible for parole until 2046, so he'll be 74, and only 
only if he's no longer deemed to be a risk to the public. He was also denied leave to appeal the conviction, which is actually really, really rare. In November 2010, Marshall challenged the length of the sentence, which he was allowed to do. But that was denied as the crime was that horrific the judges felt it was, the sentence was justified. Bush was sentenced to three years and nine months for perverting the course of justice by helping Marshall take Jeffrey's head to Leicestershire and was given a concurrent sentence, so side by side, of two years and three months for giving false information about Jeffrey's whereabouts, although she was actually acquitted of the murder charge. That would make sense because it's... I know she said that she put the, the pillow over his head, but whether or not that changed the outcome of him dying or not, that would have been considered. I can actually understand, after being on a jury, why she was acquitted by the jury. Absolutely. But it's... So in total, she's only gotten three years then? Uh, she served 45 months in prison. He's out now. Yes, okay. So she's got a little bit over three years. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. So... I don't... I, it's, it's weird. Uh, sentencing can be so strange sometimes because you could just kill someone and hide it for a couple of years but then get sentenced to 25 yourself but then you can you can move in with a man, kill him, dismember him, track him over some motorways and then only get two years by being an accomplice. It's kind of, I find sentencing really fucky sometimes. Yeah, and the, the rules change really. It's, you, it's really, really complex at times and it really does depend on what they've been charged with. You can have something that sounds the same and for all intents and purposes, you can have an offence that would, would look to the layman to be the same, but they've been charged completely differently with completely different sentencing guidelines. So we're going to go into the case autopsy, so it's time for a quick coffee break, and we'll be back in a moment. And we're back. Right, quick recap. Jeffrey Howe, aged 49, seemingly an all-round nice guy who would help people, didn't like local kids, probably kicking a football against his flat wall for hours on end or worrying about having a window broken, goes missing. And in his kindness, had had a lodger and his uninvited guest help themselves to his money and sell his stuff after they killed him and dismembered him and dumped him, or dumped all his body parts all over the country. Apparently, according to the dictionary, envy only actually needs two people. Jealousy needs three. Um, that's what I think it was in this case. Again, I learnt something with that. You don't think it's jealousy, though, do you, Cameron? You don't, none, you don't think the motive was jealousy? No, I don't think there's any factors in Jeffrey's life that would have made him want to do that. It seems like a pure financial thing. If someone's an easy target or if someone you can exploit and manipulate to get what he needs, it could have been anyone. I think it just happened to be him. What is there to be jealous of, in a way? And I don't mean that in a negative sense. It's not he's he's not achieved anything that's like. I think it was just the fact he had a blooming life, and Marshall and Bush had nothing. I don't think that's true though, because they did have that. It's just what you determine as a life or what is successful. I think they did in their own way. It's just I I don't I don't think he did anything that's noteworthy to be jealous of in the first place. And yeah. again, that's not in a derogatory sense. And again, oh, he has no life. That's not what I mean. It's just a it's just a typical person with a pretty positive life I don't think that's I, I, I don't see there's any of the things that would meet a jealousy mm, well there was there was nothing given there was no motive given in any of the paperwork that I read and it was the only thing that seemed well um, he moved in he brought Bush with him they he wanted them gone they didn't want to go so he killed him that seems more what it is and then they just sort of air quote stole his identity stole his means his money because that world was there why wouldn't you do that in that point when you've already gone this far to murder someone? 
That's why I don't think it's jealousy because they've not tried to take over his life or take what he has because they're not going to do it, are they? They're not going to realistically do that. They are probably aware of that themselves. I, just, I don't think it's jealousy. Oh, well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, people do try and take over other people's just lives. Just because I don't think it's jealousy doesn't mean you can't, by the way. Just, but I, I just don't think it meets any criteria for jealousy or the behaviours to match what would be considered jealousy. Fair enough. We disagree. Anyway, it turns out the name given to Marshall by the press is actually not an uncommon one when I first started researching because I got completely and utterly thrown by references to a film franchise that you've watched. It's not just movies that I've watched. It's a fairly popular film series. People know it as Saw, right? And it has the, the Jigsaw Killer, which is kind of, I guess, where he gets his namesake. But in the movie, it's because every victim or whatever person he commits these crimes on has a, a jigsaw piece of flesh cut out, cut, cut out of them. And that's, what, and that's where the term Jigsaw Killer comes from. But it's um it, it follows this guy I think his name is John who's like this he's he's a fictional psychopath it's not based on anything true and he sort of subjects his people to these like trials or games that's what the the saying of let's play a game and then it's they have to do something and it's usually incredibly painful so like a key to release the lock around their rib cage is in a thing of acid so they have to think like dip the hand in it to unlock it and get themselves out so the thing is you have to like mutilate yourself to get out of the I think it's to get out of the game. I think it's a, it's a given that I'm never going to watch yeah. these so ones. It, it, it does sort of see, it's like, it's like gratuitously violent. Um, if you've seen the movie Seven with um, Morgan Freeman, yeah. uh, Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey, it's not that kind of, because that, that's got a story to it. Saw does as well, but it's, it's fairly convoluted, but it does have one, whatever. And that's obviously the connection to the name. Well, there was actually... Yeah. It's weird that the victim was named rather than the killer, but I guess they found the body first. So rather than just be like person found in eight different pieces, they had to give it a name, right? And obviously then settled on the jigsaw because it's, he's like a jigsaw piece. Yes. Rather than have the namesake off, he's had a, a jigsaw taken out of him. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that was the first thing that came up when I started researching. But there was a case that got thrown up that I actually did remember. And it's back in the day, it's, it's long forgotten. You rarely hear of this one. Um, it was a Dr. Buck Ruxton from 1936. They were actually called the Jigsaw Murders uh, by the press in that one. Um, and Stephen Marshall, that name itself isn't an unusual of a name, is it? And yeah, the... there's an Australian um, politician. Is there? Yeah, I googled it, and that's the first name that came up. Oh, well, it, obviously we've got different parameters what we're looking for, and my search heads towards murder. It turns out there was a really interesting case from 2006 in Maine, where we were last week of all places. Oh, look. Yeah. We're back again. Yeah. So both of those have been added to the research list to see if I can make an episode out of each of them because both of them's actually, well, the Buck Ruxton one is really interesting. The Stephen Marshall one is really twisted. Uh, it, again, it sounds really interesting, but I just don't know if there's enough out there to make an episode of it. I'm also still astonished by how little effort goes into hiding body parts by some killers. I probably shouldn't give people ideas, but well, if you know, you know. If you've gone to all the effort of dismembering someone, you should have had the time to think how and where to dispose of so the bits aren't found. Now, if it's a spur killing or just off the top of your, off, off the top of your head, like, oh, we're going to have for dinner pizza. I'm going to kill him. Right, it's not off the top of your head. It's, it's not quite the same thing, is it? <laughs> so it's, if you've not thought it through, because I mean, I don't think they did think much of anything through, given how they're like the circumstances of them living with this guy, but they didn't think it through. I think they, they cut him up and then chucked him off. If they, if they did that over a much longer stretch, I think they could have gotten away much easier, like spread out the police thingies, go up to like Scotland and come back again. Yeah. We could have gotten away with it because they're going to be so far apart they're not going to be connected. And launching them out of the window or whatever, 
I'm picturing it like you drive along and you spit a gum out the window. They've just like chucked like a kidney out the window instead. <laughs> but that's not it. <laughs> it's not. That's not it, right? But yeah, I think if they if they didn't wrap it up, would it have been eaten by the local wildlife? Probably, maybe not, because England doesn't have a huge amount of like endemic wildlife anyway. Like a lot of other countries do, like America. Like that would have been gobbled up by a coyote or something way quick. Like yeah, it's just, they're like in every state, so that would have been gone. If they, if they had, if it wrapped up even tighter, then it would have been found because. I see it when I drive past a bin bag or something on the motorway. I'm like, there's a body in it, just because you think that, don't you? Well, everybody does this done through crime. That, yeah, yeah I mean, everybody it, it, does. I'm like, oh, there's a body in it. I mean, it's probably yeah. not, right? Uh, we used yeah. to do that to you when you were a kid. We used to drive down the motorway. And traumatise then... me. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah. there, go on. There, there you're, were... you're digging, but go on. There were, there were car parts. Were... It was coming down from the north of the country to the south of the country, and there were laybys on the motorway. And they often used to have wheelie bins parked there. And your sister used to say to you, there's a body in that cam. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't let I, us I, pull over. I probably wasn't creeped out by it. I was more like, oh, fucking sick. There's a body in there. Like, <laughs> I remember and, that. You're a kid. You're like, oh, what? You're like, so yeah, I don't think it was hidden badly because they, he clearly had some sort of expertise in cutting up stuff, whatever, given what you'd said about how he did it, etc. Yeah. I, I don't think it was hidden badly. And I, th- I think it could have been hidden worse. Like it, do you know what? They could have just wrapped him up and stuck him in the cupboard, which some people do, apparently. a lot. I think like three or four of our cases, they have done that. I think that's worse because that's easier to get caught because you can't go, oh, I didn't know that was there. But if you chuck them up and down the country, because if, if they had just fucked off and then hadn't been with him or they're only with him for a certain period of time, you're not going to find them. It's not going to be hard. They're not going to immediately jump to that. It was them staying that made it worse. I Well, yeah. I mean, they according to the pathologist, that he thinks it took them up to 12 hours to dismember him. But bear in mind they both had big drug habits. I'm guessing they were probably still using while they were doing it, so they weren't thinking logically. Yeah, I mean, it's 12 hours. You're going to be stopping for lunch, aren't you? <laughs> not him. I don't mean they're going to eat him. That's not what I mean. But, like, they, like it's 12 hours. It's 12 hours. Like, if you, like, if you, like, bug up a tree, that's hard work, right? Cut up a body is probably just about as hard as that, so... 12 hours, I don't, like, if, if they said they got it done in 30 minutes, I'd have been impressed. I, I guess if, you, if you're doing a quick internet search for, for pig plant farms or mine shafts, which you eventually get found out, and unless you've got local knowledge, mine shafts aren't really prevalent where this case took place. Body parts, certainly in the States, there is definitely one very large case, which I, for the life of me, can't remember it. I can picture them. Josh, he killed his wife. Everybody's convinced that he and his brother put her down a mine shaft, but this mine shaft area is something like five hundred miles square. They're never ever going to find her. Yeah, you're never going to find that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and the fact that one part was found with cows in this cow pen, right? I wondered if Marshall thought it was a pig pen, because pigs will eat anything, and the only thing I think they can't digest is teeth. So, the... uh, so can I quote? Go on. So this is the, so the the brilliant movie Snatch. Right, it's a basically East End London gangster movie from like the early two thousands. Some people will know it. Some people might know it's Bricktop. Right? Really? No, no. In Snatch, there's the guy in the called Bricktop. Oh, right. Okay. So he's got he's got some quotes right. And I fucking love them. People know it. It's kind of a bit of a meme. Do you know what Nemesis means? A righteous infliction of retribution. Oh fuck! I did that wrong. <laughs> Do you know what Nemesis means? A righteous infliction of retribution manifested by an appropriate agent, personified in this case by an honourable cunt, me. Right, that's Bricktop. And the other one is, that means a single pig can consume two pounds of uncooked flesh every minute, hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. And he goes on about, like, when he kills people, you say you chop them up and you chuck them to the pigs. And he says, you've got to pull their little teeth out because it'll upset the piggy's stomachs. 
and it's stuff like that. And that's why, that's why you've got to be wary of any man that owns a pig farm. Well, I think, um, obviously, that, that film was uh, Madonna's ex-husband, Guy Ritchie. Yeah, he was the director behind that. And I suspect they got this from, because Guy Ritchie's English, British. I suspect they got this from this very famous case of a lady called Muriel Mackay. She was a newspaper magnate's wife who was actually mistakenly kidnapped. The guy was very prominent in the UK. She was Australian. But the twits that took her, they thought they were getting actually Rupert Murdoch's wife, the big, the huge, you know, uh, media player. So they, they, they realised they got the wrong woman after a while. And rather than let her go and give her back, they killed her and fed her to the local farmer's pigs. No, thank you, Turkish. I'm sweet enough. Sorry. There's another one. Carry uh, on. Uh, it, and, and that eventually had me wondering if all the pigs from that pig's farmers were slaughtered after eating human flesh. Well, possibly, but I know, I, know there's, I know there's one breed of pig that gets fed a very specific diet and that affects the meat. I think it's like roasted acorns and that gives it like, it might be like, I think that might be like traditional like chorizo. I think that oh, might be, it's like a yeah. it's pig that's fed something very specific. And like, I think they, they think they do it with, um, at least that's different though. Uh, this is like tangent. If you feed cows different stuff, it affects like the milk they produce. Yeah. And if you if you feed them a certain type of algae, it reduces their methane production to like negative levels and actually become methane like carbon positive. They become good for the environment, right? That's just a weird thing. I know. I know that when you ask asking about that, but pull your tongue out my ass, oh Gary. Dogs do that. You're not a dog, are you, Gary? That's another quote. Sorry, I love, fucking love these brick top quotes. Oh, so no. talk about pigs, and it's funny. Um. It's actually got me thinking of a line from a Sex in the City movie, and I'm really not going to go well, into I can't, it. I can't. Let's it, be honest. I can't quote that one. Can no, I? no. But if put it this way, if anybody's listening, it wasn't actually the film. It was the it was the, the series, and it's a Samantha quote. Just remember, if I say wheatgrass, you ladies will know what I'm talking about, and I'm not telling my son this. I'm cringing, but it's on the lines of what he was just talking about. No, don't you dare Google it. Anyway, go back to the case. Um, Sarah Bush, apparently she'd made this fraudulent claim for housing benefit or whatever, pretending that she lived alone and she submitted the documents signed by Marshall pretending to be Jeffrey. And I wondered if Jeffrey had found out or they expected him to find out and maybe that's why they killed him. I, do you know? That was just another thought, maybe. Now, also the fact that Marshall admitted via his barrister and to all the witnesses, you know, that came forward are killing all these other people. He's actually since refused to talk to the police, and one can see why. There's absolutely no advantage to him doing it. All this links, it could have to the underworld and crime gangs. He probably really wouldn't last too long in prison if he did talk about any of these things. So the police actually, after this case was finished, when he revealed, you know, his barrister revealed in court that he, you know, dis killed of and disposed of these four bodies over this period of time. Uh, sorry to interrupt this, but this, it's along those lines and it's not a random quote again. You know, cause you mentioned before that he had, or well, there were reports at least of him running a gym in the yes. past. So gyms can often be quite big, like either money laundering or yes. places to meet. And then that's where drugs are sold. Because obviously there's, within some of the gym cultures, you've got um, like steroids that come from it and it, it drugs like that way. And, yeah. you, and people can make profit from that. So that's one thing. I guess it ties into sort of Eastern gangsters. And if you want uh, if you want to hire someone to be a bouncer, right, or something like that, or work the doors, you kind of want to hire someone big, maybe someone on gear. And it's sort of, you can see how those, those worlds kind of intertwine with that at least. 
yeah, exactly. And it's so it's not beyond the, the I'll, I'll get into it, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I said the police were looking into unsolved cases after this trial finished over the last 10 years. But I imagine it's like sifting a desert with a tea strainer. They, 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 they couldn't find anything. And the police even admitted that if it was all underworld drugs, gang links, people may have never been reported as missing. So they had little to go on without Marshall being cooperative. And he absolutely... You know, refused to. Yeah. So police, people often think that after the craze were dismantled, we in the UK became organised crime free. Nothing can be further from the truth. Uh, recent reading had me discovering some Z-listers, had some very colourful families and all. I'll, that's all I'll say on that one. If Marshall had had all of these links and he had done what he said he'd done, I would have then thought he would have been better at disposing of the body parts than he actually was. But the reports are that he was basically, he was an enforcer, but he wasn't the killer. Yeah, and um, it's very typical in crime in crime, to not have someone be part of every part of the chain. Yeah. You're not going to be the person that kills them and disposes of the bodies because you don't want people to know every, the ins and outs of the process. Exactly. So if, if he's an enforcer, maybe he just, maybe he's... Um, Smacked him uh, well. No, I think they're called uh, tax men. They're the people that will go out and um, like rob the drug dealers, like rival drug dealers. And that's they claim that it's they're charging the, the other drug dealers tax. Hmm. That's the thing. Like, he could be like that, for example. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, if he's an enforcer, he's a whatever, but that doesn't mean he's a disposer of bodies yeah, in any way. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you remember me saying he had all these earlier convictions, you know, he had firearms and drugs and all the rest of him. There's actually more than, than that that I've, I found. He also had a string of other previous convictions, including one for battering his first wife in 2003. He was also arrested on suspicion of murdering Minesh Nagresha, apologies if I've mangled that name, whose corpse was disfigured, was found disfigured and burnt by the police in 1996. Marshall was never charged with the crime, but he appeared as a witness. And a bit of digging, that actually looked really hard to actually find anything of that, that really hidden. It actually looked like a drug turf war case. So that may well go back to what you were just saying. It was all nasty, whatever it was. And I guess sort of thinking along those lines and how Marshall was... I suspect, you know, I said about, is it possible that Jeffrey found out that they were doing this fraudulent benefit claim? And I wondered then if Marshall maybe threatened Jeffrey, you know, I've done bad stuff. And I don't know, Jeffrey saw the bad in him. Maybe he told him something about his background, you know, oh, I put three people away and all the rest of it. And th- maybe that's also as well why he wouldn't let his other friend who offered to try and get these two to move out. He wouldn't let them get involved. He said it'd make things worse. Yeah, because he, he might know that he's dangerous anyway. So what can he do? And then that's all he can. He, he doesn't have an, a, a way out himself. Yeah. Don't want to involve a friend. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, it, as I said, the, 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 the drugs and the crime families still massively exist still in London. It's, it's very... The police know. Obviously, the police do. The, 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 the investigative journalists know. Obviously, they know, but they can't publish a lot of it because it's not provable. There's a... It's not, it's not a tangent, but it's kind of like linked. When you wonder about how uh, Marshall got to where he got to when he was dropping these body parts off, bearing in mind where he came from, this is why I was... I kind of know how he did it. If you don't know the UK, you wouldn't understand what the M25 is to anybody that lives down south. 
The M M25 is, there used to be a motorway that went north and south of London and it was fine. And then they sort of realised population growth and all the rest of it. We'd better build something bigger. And they did. They put up this motorway that's literally a ring around the outside of London. It's 117 miles long, I think. Yeah. 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 And there's lots and lots of concrete pillars where they put bridges over it because we're a small country. They need to get the local traffic still moving. There's still a lot of speculation in various circles that there's an awful lot of missing people in those concrete pillars. There's a, an old Lee Evans joke, loosely related. Obviously, he wasn't doing, he hasn't done comedy in a long time, but he'd be like, you know when the uh, Olympics was announced to be in the UK? Yeah. Um, it was like, there's, old, there's loads of East End, because they're digging out loads of roads and stuff, weren't they? Yeah. They, they knocked yeah, loads yeah. of stuff down to put the stadiums. But there were loads of like East End gangsters. They go, fucking hell. Because, you know, it's just, they're going to be like, there's just going to be bodies appearing out of, out of just like everywhere. It's because during the process of it, they'll just like launch a body in one of the pits. Yeah. So for our, for our American listeners, think everything's Jimmy Hoffa, Hoffa-like if you're wondering where the hell somebody is. Um, finally, one thing you may not have twigged, and I nearly said picked up on that, but that's actually really poor taste. Poor Jeffrey's hands have never been found. Sarah Bush told the police that they were buried in Epping Forest which is on the outskirts of London. And just thinking about this, Marshall told her, or other people told them, that the other bodies were buried in Epping Forest. So it's not unthinkable that this actually is true. So, so Epping Forest is on the outskirts of London. It's the same sort of stomping ground that most of this took place, probably a 50-mile radius, I would think. But Marshall never admitted that that's where the hands went. And he's never told them where, where he disposed of them exactly, and they've never been found. So... If you think your dog is bringing you a tree branch, if you're out walking in Epping Forest, look closer. You may help solve a mystery. And that's it, folks. That's the end of the podcast. Um, you've missed out a bit. You usually do. You usually say the names of people that have been killed. Well, I did at the beginning of this one. It was... It yeah, was... But, okay, so I get, we're not doing that now, apparently. Fuck him, I guess. I don't know. He's got weird toes. I'm not saying his names. All right. It's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. I think that's everything. What, 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 what are you looking at me? Social media. Social media. If you're following us on social media, please talk to us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been getting good feedback, good listening, talking, chatting shit on Twitter. We've had some lovely feedback. We uh, really have. Yeah, and thank you very much for the new uh, podcast art. Uh, the last one was shite. We got that off Fiverr. Uh, that bitch. Not the new one. Not the new person that's designed the logo. <laughs> we were like, when's the last one? Okay, I know we just said the end of the podcast, but I'm going to segue really quickly. We were like, okay, we want like in a circle and it says, murder me on Monday. Around as a banner, your sentence was with like a square thing, and it was just, I'm like with black text. It was red text with a blue background, and it was like a purple background with diamonds in it. And you're like, love, you have not listened to what we're saying here. No, but, but we now had we've got to get a proper one that's actually yeah. designed very nicely. And on that note, we are going to end now because it's sunny and I want to go outside. So we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Peace. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>